You know, uh, the Bible is a book of miracles. And many times when we read the miracles, we only make one application. For example, today we're gonna talk about a miracle of healing. But remember, healing is, is multifaceted in how we, we're changed. We change perspective, we change attitude, we change our, our physical being, our spiritual, our emotional outcome. All of those things change. But miracles also have application for every aspect of life. And that's what we're going to do today. We're gonna to look at a miracle of a, of a man that was born lame from birth. He was seven years old when Jesus was crucified. We learn about him in the Bible, of, in the book of Acts. But I, I want you to take and, and think about when, you, when we explain this miracle, how do I apply this in my life to my situation? I really believe that not only is the book, uh, the Bible, a great miracle book, but it's a great business book. When you read the Bible, you're going like, wow, this is a principle that I can use in my life. I can use it in my company. I can use it in what I do. In fact, many people tell me they'll take part of what I teach and they'll go, wow, this works in my work environment. I use this to train some staff with this part of it. So just always keep in mind the applications are really multifaceted. So let's jump into this story. And uh, I, I want you to think about this. First of all, change your perspective. All right, I want you to say that with me. Change. Okay, now how do I do that? Have you ever, just, I want you just to close one eye and look at your nose. You got it? Now some of it's gonna be easier, you got a bigger nose than others, but you, you close one eye, look at your nose. Now close that other eye and look at your nose. That's a different perspective. The problem is we always tend to live in the same perspective in every dimension of our life. Whether it's work, relationship, or whatever, we always see everything through one set of lenses. And we don't really see changes until we change our perspective on life. We have to get our eyes off what we're always focused on and focus it elsewhere in order to see what God wants us to see, to go where God wants us to go, and to do what God wants us to do. Now let's look at the scripture, Acts chapter three, beginning in verse one. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now whenever scripture includes something like the hour, it's important. You realize it was the ninth hour that Jesus died on the cross. Now that may not seem significant to you, but in this story it's very significant. It was three o'clock in the afternoon, that was the ninth hour. And it was on the ninth hour that someone was going to experience a miracle. You see, all miracles lead back to the cross, to the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And so he says it was the ninth hour and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now the other thing that makes this story unusual is the rabbis taught that no one who was ever born blind or lame from birth was healed. So when Jesus, through these two disciples, did this miracle, it was something that would bring, would really alert everyone all across that city, all across the nation, because this is something that just didn't happen. You see, when things just don't happen, it gets your attention. In fact, in the next chapter, we're going to see these two are brought in before the religious leaders, and they're told not to do this anymore. 
Now, can you imagine that you had a religious leader who said, we don't want any more healings going on here. It's too controversial to what we believe. But you see, religion has that effect on people. Religion has an effect that it tries to cancel out everything that has life and promote everything that has rules. And I, I say this constantly because I want to make a point, and that is I hate religion, which sounds weird when you're a pastor. But religion is that thing that is almost invented by man or at least shaped by man, may start with a nugget of truth, but then it becomes something very different. And it becomes restrictive and it doesn't, you know, I say, well, what do you believe? And I just believe the Bible, what the Bible says. I, I just, I'm a Jesus follower, not a religionist. Amen? All right, now notice what it says. So it says they brought him and he, uh, to the temple, who seeing Peter and John go about the temple, asked for alms. Now this is what he did. Remember, now we know he's 40 years old from Acts chapter four and verse 22. So we know how old he is. So he has been begging at that gate for many, many years. We assume maybe most of his life, maybe all of his life, he was begging for alms. And this was the pattern of his life. And he had become very accustomed to it. I don't know if you've ever noticed that when people are standing on the side of the street or they're in the middle of the, uh, of the median on a highway and they're, they're asking for money, they rarely look you in the eye. And that's one of two reasons, either shame or guilt. Shame because I should be working or guilt because, you know, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I, I really think I should be doing something different than this. But when they look you straight in the eye and they say, I really have a need, it's almost so compelling that you want to do it. Because you know there's something going on in their life. And this guy was looking down and he was asking for alms. He was going through this ritual of just alms, alms for the poor. This would be their, their slogan. This would be the line that they would use all the time. And then it says, and fixing his eyes on him with John, uh, Peter said, look at us. That's not insignificant. Quit looking down. Change your perspective. Quit looking at what doesn't work and start looking in the direction of what does. Stop focusing on the negative and focus on the positive. Stop focusing on you and focus on God. You see, we live this man-centric life, don't we? Everything kind of focuses around us, and I'm happy, I'm not happy. Most of our prayers are man-centric. They're just begging God to get us out of the mess we're in. God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And God said, I gave you a whole book with instructions. <laughs> Try reading it, right? Amen? You may have heard the story of Kevin Hart, the comedian, and when he was starting his career as a comedian, he, he, uh, he said, I was so poor, I, I just didn't have anything, and his mom was a strong Christian, still is, and, and uh, she would call him up, Mom, I need some money. And he'd say, just go to the Bible. And he said, Mom, I, I don't need to go to the Bible, I need money. And so uh, he'd call her up again, Mom, I'm really desperate now, I'm gonna lose my apartment. She said, go to the Bible. She was trying to get her boy to read the Bible. And finally, he lost his, it looks like it was the last day, and he said, go to the Bible. He said, all right, Mom, I'm going to the Bible. He went to the Bible, and Mom had stuffed $100 bills in his Bible. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta help the kids read with a little cash, amen? 
Go to the Bible, but the Bible is filled with all kinds of great truths and information, and maybe sometimes a $100 bill. But he says, look at us. So he gave them, look at this, his attention. He didn't glance, he focused. He looked at them expecting to receive something from them. And in that scenario, that's what you would expect if you were a beggar. Hey, do I have your attention? Because I really want to bless you today. This is what the guy was hearing. This wasn't the casual person that went by and just threw some coins, you know, in the, in the basket. No, this was going to be real. Now, I want you to think about problems in your life. Now, your problem is different than his problem, but your problem is the same as his problem. Because, you see, problems are essential for change. Studies show that a paradigm shift does not occur without a crisis. Paradigm, the word paradigm came from, a, from a, the scientific community in the 1950s when they were doing experiments and they got something different than they were looking for. They didn't expect a reaction. They didn't expect success in that way. And then it began to be applied in all areas of life. So if you've got a paradigm and you need to shift from here to here, you're probably not gonna do it without a problem. And you take your problems and you say, here's what the first thing you do, and this is gonna be hard, are you ready? Say, this is gonna be hard. Thank you for this problem, God. Ouch. I don't wanna thank God for it. Why not? It says, give thanks to all things. And everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made on unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart, your mind, and your soul in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for this problem. Because until you can thank God for your problem, you can't enter into the right attitude or perspective to see that what God wants to do in it. You get stuck in your problem. You ever been stuck in a problem? I just, I, I'm just, I'm tired, I'm fatigued. I can't get out of my problem. Change your perspective. You see, problems are often stepping stones into your future. I'll bet you many of you have had problems where you go, if it wasn't for that setback, that problem, that challenge, that difficult, I wouldn't have gone to the next thing in my life when I'm so glad that I'm at this place. You look back on life and you see all the difficulties and challenges, every one of them helped to shape you, if nothing else, by character. Because we're shaped by character. Character is a word that comes from the Greek language. It means to pound something into something. In other words, you're not born with great character. If you have great character, it's because something got pounded into you through the trials of life, and maybe you learned the hard way, maybe you learned the easy way, but you learned it, and it pounded itself into you. You see, the other thing problems do is they teach you new skills. Go, wow, I didn't know I could do this. When my job ended and, I, and there was no openings in that industry and I shifted over here, I found out I had new skills that I didn't even know I had. And I am so glad I did. See, so many people, they, they live their life by their pension and not their passion. They don't quit their job because of the pension. Well, you know, I don't know what to do. I've got a good job. I hate it. I've only got another 20 years till I retire. I mean, you know, I hear this all the time. I'm no make this stuff up. Well, why don't you just quit? No, I can't quit. I've been doing this so long. I'm just, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Why not? Why not? 
Why not, why not look at what's really in your soul and what's your passion and, and change your perspective and say, well, maybe I could do that. Maybe I should do that. Maybe the problem was my friend. Second thing is change your desire. Look at, look at Acts chapter three. Then Peter said, silver and gold I have none. Disappointing news to a beggar. Worst news, I mean, I, I gave you my attention. I'm focused on you. I, I, I did something unusual. I actually moved my eyes for a change. And then you announced to me you're broke. I can almost see those guys reaching in and pulling their pockets inside out. Sorry, guys. You know, no silver and gold here. But what I do have, I give you. See, he asked for pennies, but he, ha- he got legs instead. You see, I think in our prayers, we ask for too little. And we stay with our prayers too short. There's something about persistence that's linked to prayers and the kingdom of God. It's just linked to it. There's so many stories about it. We sang a scripture about that, you know, about seeking and asking and knocking. And, the, and the, in the original language, that, that idea of seeking is keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That's how the verbs are in there. Keep on asking. When? How long? Till you get the answer. Well, I've been asking 10 years and ask 11. You see what I'm saying is persistence. Then you go to, that's in Luke 11. Then in Luke 18, there's another story on persistence. And that's the story of the widow who's coming to the unrighteous judge, judge trying to get justice for her son. And the Bible clearly says the judge does not care about the woman or her son. But she's persistent, and he said, finally, give the woman what she wants because she's wearing me out. And you know, it's a parable about the kingdom. It's about God saying, are you gonna stick with it until you wear me out? Are you gonna keep asking till I get so, I don't really, I think God is saying this, there's some things I don't really care if you get or don't get. Don't you think God wants us to have everything we ask? No. Don't you think God cares about everything we care about? No. I think he wants you to be a grown-up in the spiritual kingdom of God. And I, I think he wants you to press into the things that are important that are going to change you, your family, your communities, your, and the kingdom of God. And I think there's a lot of things, you know, God says, yeah, I'm fine with that. But what if you start pressing in and God says, okay, you want that so bad, you're like, you're like my grandchildren who keep asking. My grandchildren have to ask at least once for me to give them everything they want. <laughs> now my wife, you know, she makes it a little harder. Mom makes it a lot harder. But I just think, you know what, you're asking, I'm going. I love this. <laughs> you're gonna spoil them, yeah. I want them spoiled like I was, amen. But you see, God, God wants to release, but do you want to change? Do you want to have a desire for what you need? Now look what he says, what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's a declaration. Do you know the Bible doesn't just have requests, it also has declarations. Sometimes you have to declare something over you for it to be a level of faith. I declare, rise up and walk. That's different. God, I just pray this guy gets to walk. You see how different that feels, how different that sounds? 
You know, sometimes I, I, I notice in my prayers, I don't, I'm not having enough faith in my prayers. I, I'm, I'm almost like, I'm kind of like on an Easter egg hunt trying to find faith. And I'm searching here and I'm searching there. And I think God wants us to be bold and confident. God wants us to make declarations over our life. And he says, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. Now, this is another side of it, right? I'm gonna give you the command. Now, I'm gonna show you, we're gonna get you started. I'm gonna get momentum going in your miracle. Momentum in your miracle. You know why the prayer wall is so powerful? Because it's a point of faith. You write something out, you slip it in the wall, you come back the next week and you look at, and I, I've seen it, I do the same thing, I look at the wall where I put my prayer request and nobody better have moved it. Amen, you know what I'm talking about? Why am I doing that? Because it's a point of faith and I'm giving momentum to my faith when I look in that prayer wall and I see that prayer request. And I said, God, I put it there by faith along with those 100,000 other prayer requests that are in that wall and I'm expecting, God, you to do something and I'm, I'm reigniting with that. You say, does God answer every prayer that we ask? No, he does not. Does that disappoint you? No, it does not. Because I also have to lean into a higher mystery, and that is the mystery of the sovereign will of Almighty God who knows things that I don't know, moves in ways that I don't know how he moves, but, I, but one day I will understand because the Bible says we will know as we have been known. How about that? What are we gonna know in heaven? You're gonna know what you, as God has known you. You're gonna know everything about you. Well, I have a lot of questions for God. No, you won't. You have zero questions for God because you will know as you've been known. You will instantly have every question answered the moment you enter into eternity with a glorified mind, body, soul, and everything else. I mean, this is like good news. I know people who are preparing questions for God now. I said, stupid. That's a Hebrew word for what you're doing. That's stupid. You don't need to do that. You want to ask questions, ask them now, but you don't need to ask then. It's all going to be cool. All right, immediately, look what he says, and he lifted him up, so he gave momentum to his faith, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Did you notice that? They weren't strengthened until he stood up. He acted on his faith. Your miracles don't come until you act on them. I'm just gonna live as though it's true. That's what faith is, calling those things which are not as though they are. It's what it says in, in the book of Romans about Abraham. You gotta say it so and it's not so in order for it to be so, that's faith. People say, what, I, what's the miracle? I already got the miracle, I'm just waiting for delivery. <laughs> Amen? It's like Amazon. I ordered it, it'll be here. If I get a delay, they'll give me a notice. Same thing with God, hey, it's gonna be a little couple more days, just hang in there. Let me show you something. How do, what do I do? I redefine my goals. What was the goal of the man that was laying there lame every day. Get a couple more pennies. He knew what he needed for the day. Maybe he needed 10 cents, maybe he needed $10. But he had a goal. Hey, I did pretty good today. I think I can eat one more day. Next day, I'm, I'm going right back in. I'm like a deer hunter. I got a hundred new deer every day to eat. But you see, God wanted him to redefine his goals. He doesn't need to beg for pennies anymore. He can now work, and I'll guarantee you, he was probably the best worker in the neighborhood. 
because he was so excited about the transformation. We're going to see that. Also, you have to write down your vision. When God shows you something, write it down. Have you ever said, I'll never forget this? You get a thought in the middle of the night and said, I will not forget that. In the morning, what do you do? I don't know. I don't have a clue what I was saying. It was so strong in my mind, I said, I will never forget this as long as I live. It took me seven seconds to forget it. When God shows you something about your future, write it down. Now, let me give you a scripture because I love this scripture from the book of Habakkuk. It says in chapter two, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. You didn't know they had iPads and tablets back in those days, but they did. This is proof. Came out of the Old Testament. Write it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now let me just take you through that scripture again because it's so powerful. You have to write down your vision. What has God showed you? Write it down, make a note. Right now, God just put something on your mind. You said, I'll never forget it. You will forget it before I get done speaking today. Take your phone out, check your social media, then write it down. I know how you operate. All right, now, so write it down. You write it down. I'm gonna write it down. What is it? Just a little something to, to just jog my memory about what God showed me right now. Because see, when you have vision, then God brings provision. If you don't have vision, God doesn't have provision. He's waiting on you. This is how, this is how faith works in the kingdom. So write down the vision, make it plain. In other words, refine your vision and get some details in it so that it makes sense, so that anybody can, who reads it will understand what you're trying to say and remember that this vision that you have is for an appointed time. That is, it's for tomorrow, something in the future. Today you focus on loving God. The greatest miracle of your life is that you focus on God on a daily basis. You live in the presence of God. This is a miracle. All right, you're living in the presence of God. It says, write it, write it down, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it's going to speak. What does that mean? That means it's going to scream from the pages of your life, fulfilled, answered, true, real, right, all of those things. It's gonna speak to you. You're gonna hear it in your inner voice, that, that inner voice in your heart, you know, that, that person you talk to throughout the day? Anybody do that besides me? I'm always talking to me. I find myself quite engaging. Right? I'm talking to Phil. Phil, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is going to be good. You know, sometimes I find myself talking out loud to Phil. This is another problem that I have to work on, but, you know. Okay, and it will not lie. In other words, when you get a vision from God, it's not going to lie. It's going to be, it's working its way in and through your life, and though it tarries, wait for it. You see, I think what happens with a lot of people in their prayer and their faith and their visions, they're impatient. They want God to do it yesterday. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you pray and, wow, it just, it just threw itself into my lap. And other times you're waiting, you look back, you go, wait a minute, I think this was a part of my prayer life years ago. And you go back and you, you check your prayer journal, check your prayer request, and you go, I did pray about this. This is an answer to what I've been praying about. I had no idea how God was going to do it. But you see, God was storing up your prayers in heaven 
for the day, the appointed time. And then the third thing is you have to change your attitude. If you have an attitude about life that doesn't see the possibility, you have to change that. And I really believe there, there's, a, there's a human side of this that's tied to a face side, that when I live with positivity in my life, I'm able to see the hand of God in more things in my life. When I live in negativity, I don't see it. All I see is me and how I'm just, you know, discomforted and how, I'm, how there's a problem in my life. But I'd have to live with this idea that, you know, God wants to do great things. I just believe it. I, I wake up almost every day and I say this, God, I know you have great things for me and I can't wait to discover what they are. When I live with that, that idea of expectation, I can to God in a lot of stuff. Now let's look what happens here, Acts chapter three, rest of the story. So he, now remember, he took him by the hand, lifting him up, so he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. This guy was fired up. This guy was like some of the guys up here during worship. They were leaping, jumping, praising God, amen? Well, why wouldn't you wanna do that? You know, do you think Christianity is really more spiritual if it just doesn't do anything? No, I love God. What's God done lately? I don't know, something. I read my Bible today. How was it? It was good. I mean, does that excite you? I don't know, it doesn't excite me. I just like, I don't know. I don't want that version of it. Somebody got baptized in pickle juice or something. I don't know. Now look what happens. All the people saw him walking and praising God. They're going, wait a minute. Isn't that the guy? He's been faking it. That guy was faking it for years. I want a refund on all of my alms I gave that guy. You know some people thought that. He had to be faking it. They saw him walking, praising God. Then they knew that it was he who was begging at the beautiful gate. By the way, the reason they called it the, the beautiful gate, it was Corinthian bronze encrusted with jewels. It was one of seven doors that would enter into the very holy of holy of the temples. This was, I believe, the third or the fourth door. And it, it was majestic. All reports. It didn't survive the you know, the, the attack by Titus in 70 AD when the temple was burned down. But imagine, he sat in the most beautiful place and he begged. And God had a more beautiful place for him where he didn't have to beg, in his presence, in his presence. And all the people saw him walking, praising God. They knew that it was him at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I mean, they, just, they were just like, overwhelmed. This is the guy. How did this happen? What's going on here? You know what I, what I, the, the lessons I get from his life? Here's the first one. Over-respond to life. He over-responded. This guy just learned how to walk. He's leaping. He's shouting. He's praising. Over-respond to life, live life in the fullness. Amen? I was buying something at a coffee store the other day and they looked like they were just all saddened up and I go, hey, you having a pretty good day? It's all right. It's all right, just all right? What would, what would have to happen for it to be great? 
I don't know. I said, I can tell you how to have a great day right now. What is it? Try smiling. And this person smiled, and I said, how do you feel? I feel great. Change your attitude. It doesn't take much. I think sometimes we live with a frown and don't know we have a frown. You know, some people are just always frowning. You just want to slap them. In Jesus' name, of course. You don't want to... You don't want to just slap them out of meanness. You want to slap them in Jesus' name. It's a Jesus slap to get you smiling. But sometimes you get kind of stuck in this like, you know, like just stuck. I don't want to look at you. Go look in the mirror. Do you want to look at you? Focus on the future. Here's the second one. Focus on the future. A lot of people focus on the past, and they think about how, Missed opportunities are how great it was. Men are the best at this. Men can tell you more stories about how they blew up something, missed a great opportunity, got beat up, I mean, everything, and then they one-up everybody on the past. I enjoy that as a man. I just want to be upfront with you because I always am convinced that I've got a better bad story than somebody else, and if I don't, I can make one up on the fly, amen? But honestly, what do we do? We focus on the future. What have I got coming? What's coming down the road in my life that I can get excited about, that I can change my attitude about, that I can put a smile on my face? I can really get behind with passion and energy and power. And I tell everybody, I'm so excited about life, why? I don't even know, I'm just excited. I'm excited about God, I'm excited about life, I'm excited about people. And then live out your passion. What is it you really are passionate about? Live out for that. You say, well, I've got this job. It doesn't allow me to do that. That's fine. Then you have this other side of you that works that out in the volunteer, in a hobby, in, in, a, in whatever you're doing, but you always say, I've got to live out my passion. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I had a friend in high school. I said, what do you want to do when you grow up and graduate and everything? He said, I want to listen to music. You, uh, you what? Yeah, I just want to sit with headphones on and listen to music all day long. I said, I'm not sure that's a job. He said, well, it should be a job because would, I would be good at it. <laughs> so some of these things, they're not jobs, but you'd be good at them because it's your passion. Live in your passion. Let your job be your revenue stream. And it doesn't always have to be all your passion, by the way. It's okay. But make sure you live out your passion in your life because God created you unique. He created you with passions and loves and goals and, and, and brilliant ideas and creative thoughts, and you have to figure out how do I connect with that in my life so that I become a well-rounded, interesting human being. Amen? All right, let's stand together. I wanna pray for you. I want you right now just to, just to pray with me. I want you to think about the application for your life. It may, that you, may be that you need physical healing and, and this story was for you. It may be that what you need is you need to just have a new attitude or a new perspective on life, that that old attitude isn't working for you anymore. But right now, I want you to give that to God. Just say, God, I give this to you. I hand this to you, God. Without reservation, I ask you to work in me and through me to bring about passion and joy and power to put a smile on my face, to look to heaven for all the glory and the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ that I can give. If you're not a believer and you say, I, you know, I just, I want this Christianity. I mean, every week we see people saved in this, in this group. 
then I want you to pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried and rose from the dead. I believe that you live in heaven for me, to make intercession for me. And I ask you to save me right now, Lord Jesus. Just pray that, Lord, save me right now, Lord Jesus. If that was your prayer, just confirm that with God. God, I wanna thank you for that. I wanna thank you for hearing my prayer. I wanna thank you for saving me. Amen? Amen? If that was your prayer, lift your hand up. Just say, I, that was my prayer. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs>